0: You are listening to UBC Waco podcast. (laughs) Are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Uh, As Taylor said, my name's Craig. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I love this church, and any time I can uh, share with it is such a joy and an honor. I've Over the course of my adult life, I've had several seasons when I've had an opportunity to to preach from this stage. Um, A few times I think I may have said some things helpful or wise, uh, even when it sounded dumb at the time. There's a lot of times when I've said uh, some really dumb things uh, that sounded kind of helpful and wise at the time, and so I was reflecting on that this morning, and so that allows me to come to this moment with a little bit of humility, uh, so I appreciate uh, the opportunity. One of the things that I have said uh, in various forms at various times from this stage over my time here is this, and I think um, this does bear repeating. Like many of you I grew up in and have been part of churches uh, over the course of my life that communicated this kind of idea forcefully from the stage, which is that those of us or those of you in the seats, Need to really be giving your all, our all to this moment. Maybe this was communicated by opening this uh, service, saying, "I hope you aren't here just going through the motions." If you ever heard heard that, uh, or maybe the the verses to the songs were interrupted with verbal ad- admonitions to sing it from deep in your heart. Now uh, I'm so thankful that we often, or that we rarely, if ever, have had. Sing it from deep in your heart, um, interrupting our songs here. Regardless of the intent of those admonitions for intentionality and uh, admonitions um, for intensity, uh, the result is often the same, which is a sense of shame for those who just couldn't give another ounce of enthusiasm, our intention to this moment. Some of you are hardwired for exuberance, uh, or your experiences with God and church and faith make it impossible for you to engage this moment with anything other than excitement and joyful expression. But others of you, because of past trauma or skepticism or just how you're created and how you exist in the world, have given all you have just to wake up on a hot, on maybe the hottest of all summer mornings, and get in your car and travel, however far uh, you travel to get here, are logged online, and you have nothing left to give in this moment than what you've already given to get here. And of course, many of you, probably most of us, fall somewhere in between um, those extremes. One of the things I believe that sets UBC apart uh, from other churches is that we try really hard to make space for both of those extremes, and everyone in between. Now hear me out, we fail at that a lot. Um, We failed at that attempt many times, and I can testify that in my time here, few things have caused more tension or conflict or um, kind of uprising than this question of uh, who this hour on Sunday morning should be designed for. Should it be designed for the exuberant or the pensive? Um, But I dare say, uh, even though we fail at that and and that kind of uh, question causes a lot of um, tension, few churches, if any, have given as much care to that question and to trying to thread the needle um, as we have. So whether you are one who has a lot to give to this moment, to this hour, probably less than an hour today, uh, to the sermons, to the songs, to the prayer, or whether you've given all you have already and just occupying the seat where you are here or online um, is your singular act of faith for today. Know that you are valued, seen, and as Taylor so prophetically and pastorally preached uh, last week, you are loved. Because the truth is, we have all come to this moment with either a sense or a strong belief are a hope that there is someone beyond us who cares for us, who loves us, and who desires to be in communi- uh, who desires to communicate with and be in relationship with us, and who at some time in the past and maybe even now continues to reveal things to us. Uh, the first. Uh, A couple of months of my undergraduate education in theology were spent learning the different theories of uh, revelation and inspiration. Revelation being um, essentially how God reveals God and the things of God to us Uh, and inspiration, which is the way God influenced the biblical text, both the Bibles that you hold in your hands or read on your devices, uh, as well as the original manuscripts of Scripture. We were taught about this thing called general revelation, which is the idea that aspects of God and God's attributes can be clearly seen through things like nature. And we were told about specific revelation, that God has chosen to be more specifically revealed through scripture, and ultimately through the person of Jesus Christ. We learned that some people interpret these words in 2 Timothy about scripture being God breathed, to mean that God inspired the writers of the Bible in the same way that God inspired uh, Picasso or Emily Dickinson or James Baldwin, while others believed that biblical inspiration meant that God dictated every original word uh, to the biblical writers and that the original manuscripts, which we no longer have, by the way, contain the literal words of God. And of course, we learned that there were many theories in between those two uh, that were more nuanced and more conditioned on context. Also, of course, uh, the teachers uh, in my conservative uh, Baptist university uh, laying out this menu of options for us to choose from, and they taught under the guise of uh, we report, you decide type, type thing, but it was very clear the ideas that they wanted us to gravitate towards. Regardless... All of this was in service to engaging with these questions, these ancient questions that people have asked from the beginning of time and that we continue to ask today. Who is God? Does God communicate to us? If so, then how? I have to confess that these questions have always and still baffle me. Even though I have two theology degrees, I've been a pastor, um, and I continue to stake my life on the belief that God at some point in the past spoke and hopefully still speaks. But if you ask me how that happens, depending on the day, you're likely to get a shrug of my shoulders and a who knows. Of course, a lot of us think we know and we give a lot of expression and passion to what we think we know. Uh, this next sentence I still can't believe is true, um, but I wrote it down and I experienced it. And um, it's the only, the only way that um, I can get over the shock of it actually happening. Uh, a week ago today, uh, in this moment, I found myself alone walking along Jaffa Street in Jerusalem. It was Shavuot. I may be pronouncing that wrong. I'm probably certain I'm pronouncing that wrong, which is the Jewish holiday sometimes referred to as the Feast of Weeks. And early on that morning and throughout the day, a sea of Jewish people in various forms of religious attire uh, were walking back from the Western Wall, which is a piece of the the second temple that the the one piece that we're fairly certain is still the original um, uh, part standing of that temple. They were walking back to their homes into to their synagogues. While this was happening, I could hear in the distance and in the Muslim quarter, the Muslim neighborhood calls to prayer. And relevant to our own story, uh, it was the Christian celebration of Pentecost. When God poured out the Holy Spirit on believers, giving birth to the church, and less than a mile from where I was standing was uh, the room known as the Cynical, which is, uh, Uh, the traditional site of where the Last Supper happened, it's also believed to be the site where um, the Pentecost act of the Holy Spirit being poured out uh, occurred. Um, I had to stop, you you know, just a typical Sunday. I had to stop and take it in and reflect on the magnitude of the place in which I was standing. This next part is, um, this next sentence is almost equally unbelievable to me, and I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't experienced it. Later that day, hanging out at a neighborhood bar with some Jerusalem locals, most of whom were Jewish American expats who had moved to Israel. I was talking about my experience that morning when someone said, you know, this city has more people outwardly expressing their faith, more people seeking to hear from and experience God than anywhere else on the planet. That was the first part of what he said. Second part, And it isn't even close. And while he was certainly correct about the first part, we were, after all, standing um, at the the epicenter of the cradle of two of the largest monotheistic faiths, Christianity and Judaism, and one of the two cradles of uh, of Islam. I must admit that on that second part, I kind of wanted to correct him a little bit and to say, well, Because if he had ever been to Pinewood early in the morning when the giant study Bibles come out and the prayer time commences, J.D., are you here? Can you testify? No? J.D., can you testify? Or if he had ever been uh, or walked Baylor's campus during the 72-hour prayer and revival week, or if he had ever been cornered in the linen section of Target with someone suggesting that they aggressively pray for you, then he might would have reconsidered the, and it isn't even close, part of his statement. Waco isn't Jerusalem, but it's not for nothing that we have been referred to at times as Jerusalem on the Brazos. A lot of people in a lot of places on the planet want to hear from God. Christians, like Jews and Muslims, don't have a monolithic view on how, when, and where God speaks. We have a lot of different views on that. Our opinions as Christians are legion. Almost all of us hold to a belief that God has spoken to us through Scripture. But there are a million theories about how complete that is and how that happens. Though many of us would deny this, most of us believe God clarifies and continues to reveal God's self to us through tradition or, or how faithful believers have interpreted scripture over the years. Many of us hold some kind of belief that God's ultimate revelation of God's self can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then there's another way. Um, and uh, this is uh, what the lectionary passage speaks to us from today. Uh Jesus spent the first 15 chapters of John, uh, performing miracles, kind of the first section of John, healing, a little uh, second section before we get to uh, our passage today, and doing a lot of teaching, teaching his followers some real lofty ideas about God, revealing to his followers God and attributes of God. And then, knowing his death and resurrection were soon to come, And knowing that after appearing to them a few more times, he would no longer be with them physically, he told them lovingly, I still have so much more to tell you, but you just can't bear it all now. Jesus knew, like all the religious residents and pilgrims of Jerusalem last week, and like every devout believer right here in the Bible Belt of America, that people who were following him would be desperate to hear his voice, Desperate to know the things of God and desperate to be guided in a way that they couldn't be guided by themselves without him there. And his answer was that he would not leave them alone. He would send someone after them to continue to reveal God to them. And we know that someone as the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, um, I will be honest with you as a good Enneagram 6 and a good Baptist, uh, I have some problems with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm a Christian. I accept that the Holy Spirit is part of the triune God. Today is uh, Trinity Sunday on the church calendar. This is the day when pastors who care to um, address the idea of the Trinity in a way that is uh, not heretical, and uh, most pastors fail um, at that. Um, the ones who don't fail are the ones who um, are wise enough not to try to explain the Trinity. Um, but this is just so you are aware of the context of this. This passage we, we have, the, the lectionary writers are trying to show us the one example where we can kind of create a formulation of um, a Father, Son, Holy Spirit within, within the passage. Um, but all of that given, what I often want to tell Jesus in this moment when he's uh, promising the Holy Spirit is, uh, really? This is the best idea for re- revealing the things that you didn't get around to telling your disciples before uh, that they couldn't bear at the time. There are a lot of reasons for my dysfunctional relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like some of you, I have seen and been on the receiving end of abuse in the name of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people use the idea of the Holy Spirit as a tool of manipulation and control. And I've seen people use the Holy Spirit as validation for their own ideas about God um, and what they want God to say. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like the Wild West out there without any rules or objective ways of determining anything about what she is saying. But, if I slow down and listen to my body and kind of let the anxiety seep out a little bit, I have to be honest and say that I, like many of you, have experienced and heard from the Holy Spirit. It hasn't been in the way that my friends and teachers and really anyone else who's really into the Holy Spirit uh, says that I'll experience her. But I've heard him usually only in retrospect, that I'm able to pinpoint the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In the moment, it may have felt like impulse and really a bad idea, but it's hard for me to look back at my decision 22 years ago uh, to accept a really bad paying job and to pack up my things and head to Waco. It's hard for me to look at that in retrospect and see that as anything other than the work of the Holy Spirit. Shortly after I moved here, a friend of mine who had also moved here at the same time uh, walked through the front door of this building for a meeting, just a random meeting that they were hosting at the church. Uh, As he was walking out, he picked up a brochure about the church. Um, Young people brochures are little pieces of paper that uh, sometimes used to be left on things for advertising purposes. Uh, He picked the brochure up. He read it. He took it to my apartment, uh, handed it to me and says, Uh, I think this church is for you. Now, I am completely comfortable calling that series of events a coincidence, and I admit that I may have ended up in this place anyway, but I am equally comfortable looking at the trajectory of that series of events uh, that that trajectory uh, put me on and saying it was nothing less than the Holy Spirit at work. It was the Holy Spirit that brought this church comfort after our friend and pastor lost his life uh, in the space that I'm standing in front of. Um, By the way, uh, today's Kyle Lakes would have been his 50th birthday, um, and so we we take moments to to honor and celebrate that life. Um, And I don't know a lot of things, uh, but I'm strongly compelled to believe that it was the Holy Spirit who guided us to be full-throated in our declaration that our queer siblings can participate in the life of God through this church in the same way as anyone else can. Uh, And finally, I'm going to uh, pull back the curtain a little. It's kind of my unofficial job at this church is to um, pull back the curtain. Um, uh, Like other really difficult seasons we've had as a church, uh, the past few months haven't been a cakewalk. This isn't unique to us. Anytime a congregation loses a pastor, especially a beloved pastor, for whatever reason, there is anxiety, there is grief, and there are competing visions for moving forward. We have been been here before, we are here now, and I'm almost certain that we will be here again. But I've had a chance to talk to a lot of you, a lot of people in this congregation. And there's a word that keeps coming up over and over and over, regardless of the anxiety and the tension and um, and, and the competing visions and, and, and the stress of this kind of in-between time. Um, and I don't ever prompt this word, but the word comes up every single conversation. It came up um, in a conversation I had with TOF this morning, and that word is hope. Hope. In spite of everything, we all have a deep, abiding sense of hope, for our life together as a church. And look, that sense of hope can be chalked up to wishful thinking or self-determination, and maybe it is both of those. But right now, in this moment, I'm going to choose to believe that the Holy Spirit who Jesus promised to us is bouncing around this room and around our congregation and whispering words of hope to us. I also, I'm veering from script here. I also realize I could very well on these things be doing exactly what I've accused others of doing, of validating my experience or or, or manipulating. Um, And and for that, um, I just confess that um, and know that um, my experience with the Holy Spirit of God is that um, she opens doors and makes paths wider um, rather than more narrow. And so maybe use that as a uh, measuring stick regardless to those who are weary hope to those bursting at the seams with enthusiasm hope to those who have nothing more to give hope a few days before um last sunday uh, i was at the western wall that i spoke of uh earlier and um if you've ever seen video or some of you probably been to the western wall um it's become tradition that Uh, that Jews and and, and Christians and and other faithful followers of God um, walk up to the wall, Uh, they they write a little prayer out, fold it up, um, and stick it in little crevices of the wall. Um, And I had this opportunity to to do this, and um, I wrote this prayer out. Um, I don't know where my page went, but I wrote it out, so I remember. Uh, My prayer was that, UBC be a place that people stream to uh, as a source of jubilee, healing, and hope. And my prayer this morning uh, is that um, the Holy Spirit makes that so. Let's pray. I, like many people, I uh, hear about the third person of the Trinity, and um, I shrug my shoulders, uh, I scratch my forehead, and I just don't get it. Um, at the same time, I, like many in, in this room, uh, have seen the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our communities, in our church. So, God, I pray that you give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to know uh, your movement among us. Help us be open to the realities that the Spirit is guiding us in. Uh, We pray that in the name of Jesus and through the Spirit that gives us life and that gives us hope. Amen.